0: The IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We are hosts from the offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch.
1: And I'm Steve Choquette, and we have today as our guest, Chris Zobler. And Chris is with the Data and AI team. Hey, Chris, welcome.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me today.
1: So, you know, last time we heard about... um, the analyze step, how we need to create a, you know, a business-ready analytics foundation. But, you know, now we're ready to look at the um, the ear step. Like I'm going to redo that one. Last time we heard about the need to create a business-ready analytics foundation. Now, the next step in the ladder is analyze. And that deals with build and scale AI with trust and transparency. So let's talk about those pieces, Chris. Let's talk um, about scale, trust, and transparency.
2: Um, Sure, would be happy to. So what, what we've actually started to see a lot in our clients, both big and small, is that they're drowning in data. I think we all know that that's just the case. We're all accessing data, creating data at an incredible speed and velocity. But the challenge our clients actually have now is not getting access to data for most of them. It's actually making sense of the data. And you've got all different types of resources that are asking different questions against different types of data. So you have people like citizens analysts that would be doing more of the typical traditional BI reporting all the way through to through uh, data science resources that are starting to write in Scala and Python and R and are very two distinct sets of skills, but ultimately come together and need to find a way to collaborate in order to start making sense of the data. And at the end of the day, what every client on earth is trying to do with the data is make better business decisions, make them faster and do them in a way that is trusted so that way they can change their bottom line, whether that means driving more revenue or cutting operational cost. So it's a great time to be at IBM. We have a fantastic platform that supports collaboration from all of the different data knowledge workers that our our clients have in the field, from the citizen analysts that are building reports all the way through to those data scientists that really just want to use a lot of the open source capabilities that they're accustomed to to try to drive change within their organization.
0: So Chris, I want to start off by focusing a little bit around the 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 first element of it, the trust element. So I want to understand the importance of it, right? So I think for me to understand the importance of it, what happens, tell me, when it all goes wrong. So we're saying we need to build data sets that we can basically rely on and trust. So then we're taking the outputs of AI. So give me an example of maybe when that doesn't actually work well or we lose that trust and kind of those pieces actually come apart.
2: Sure. So I'll give you a few anecdotal examples. I think one of the most important is that when we talk about the value of building these models, the the number that always sticks in the back of my head and the reason why we're so focused on this area is that the typical data scientist who really ultimately builds the models with conjunction with all the other parties within the organization, on average, builds and deploys 1.3 models into production per year. And the reason that they're not deploying as many models is because we're building systems that continuously learn when we present new data. That's the whole concept of AI and structured versus unstructured learning. As we present more data, as the result sets start to change, your model, in essence, is designed to change with them. And what people have struggled with for the past 10 to 15 years in the computer science world is as we build these systems of learning that continuously improve, how do I actually monitor that to make sure that the things that I actually put into production are one, uh, meeting the requirements that I have all around accuracy, but two, accurately represent the brand and the business that I want to ensure is happening when I don't have human beings being that final touch. And there are two very big examples that uh, that i can certainly point to of where we have seen this in the public eye and quite frankly it was a wake-up call and one of the reasons why we accelerated our work at ibm around trust and transparency so one of our biggest competitors in the cloud I'll, i'll leave the name out here but one of our biggest competitors in the cloud created a production released model all around hr recruitment and because we need data in order to build predictive models the data that this technology cloud company used in order to identify the appropriate candidates who would be successful in a cloud computing software environment, they used their own historical data. And so ultimately the model that was generated, that was put into production, that was doing a lot of the initial evaluations in the recruiting process to identify candidates to join this organization, actually excluded women for the better part of two years. And because our data science communities have ultimately been deploying these things and we haven't had the ability to monitor at runtime the success and accuracy of those models, they just let this model run for two years. And it was only when somebody looked up and said, oh, my gosh, we have actually been, if you look at the recruits that we've actually allowed to enter this process, the candidates that we've allowed to enter the recruiting process, It's only when they looked at the result data and said, we've been excluding women for the better part of two years. Now you can imagine the blowback because this is very public now, and I'm sure those who are listening may have heard about this example, or if you go and just Google um, or search for the information around exclusion of women in a recruiting process using machine learning, you'll find the articles, but you can only imagine twofold, the impact on the brand, which is one of the things people are most concerned about, and the flip side to that was, it was a great example of building models in production that without the ability to monitor, manage, and maintain, it really just became something that took on a life of its own. And it reminds me of another example where you know we've had a few experiments now over the past year or so on the internet, even with chatbots, where we've actually started to do crowdsourcing of information for chatbots just to see how well those systems of engagement would learn. And in another great example, we released a platform out, not IBM, but the the community released a platform out just to see what would happen if we left an unmonitored chatbot, start to take on the persona of crowdsourced information. And in a very short period of time, that chatbot actually became extraordinarily racist because the wrong types of people were presenting information. And ultimately it became a sociological experiment again back to the fact that yes, these data science capabilities and techniques and models are extremely powerful, but if we can't find a way to monitor and manage and understand the data sets and determine whether there's bias present or not, and then ultimately find a way to drive transparency so that way we, as the the releasers of these models, have a way to trust the models themselves then it's going to become the everlasting challenge of doing great, incredible work and never actually being able to cross the finish line because we just don't feel
1: comfortable doing it. So, so Chris, um, it sounds to me that the um, the monitoring side is the other aspect or one of the other aspects. That's the transparency, right, to see what's going on?
2: Yes, so there's two parts to this. One is to actually take a look at the data sets themselves and the results and determine whether there's bias both within the data sets themselves. So maybe I need to acquire some more data or there could be bias in the output of the model itself. So there's really two ways to look at making sure we look at the bias component, which is critical. But then the next part of this is as we push into production, And again, because these are systems of continuous improvement and learning, the idea here is that as decisions are made, as more data is presented, the decision may change. It may change minute to minute. When I present the same data, it could change week to week, it could change day to day. But we need the ability to have transparency, especially in our highly regulated industries like financial services and public for healthcare and the federal government agencies and so forth, because at the end of the day i need as an organization to be able to explain why a decision was made one way when presented a certain data set and maybe made a different way when presented a very similar data set so there's two parts to this there's the you know identify the gaps and make sure that we're comfortable on the the bias component but then ultimately to be able to monitor and manage and provide auditability and traceability, which is what we call transparency in the decisions that are being made, so that if asked, I now have something defensible and presentable that, again, that as an organization I'm comfortable with.
0: So Chris, if we think of the cloud, right, we think about scale, and when it comes to scale, for me, I think about infrastructure. So the more we need, we just bring on board, it's infrastructure, it's how it works, it scales really easily. But is this something that can actually scale, right? So you're saying the model is constantly learning. We're constantly adjusting and analyzing. Does it, I guess, does it scale?
2: Without question. The foundational components of the IBM cloud uh, that allow access to both traditional infrastructure as well as some of the high processing computing around GPUs are designed specifically to allow for this exact type of scale. So not only do we scale on demand, but different types of workload will require different types of infrastructure to support that. And so this entire platform from design, build, run, deploy, maintain, and manage is actually built on the same platform with different underlying components so that you can scale as needed. And we've seen certain clients that we have in production today that are doing hundreds of millions of transactions on the data science side and monitoring hundreds of models in production today, seamlessly, with the ability to, at the click of a button, be able to start deploying and monitoring those models as well as the result set. So we're talking scale at an enterprise level like I've never seen before in the 20 years that I've been at IBM. And, and this portfolio, the platform, IBM's cloud, has specifically been designed to help our enterprise clients do exactly that.
0: I love how you make it sound so easy, Chris, right? So we're talking about trust in the data, transparency in what we're doing, and scale easily at an enterprise level. But are clients getting stuck, or are users getting stuck, or businesses in general, as they're moving through, not only the ladder, but these particular steps within Analyze?
2: I love to make it sound easy, but in reality, (laughs) where it becomes challenging is, in order to make any data project work, it requires multiple people. Right? You have the folks, the data engineers that a lot of times have been the data keepers that often don't want to share the data themselves. You've got traditional ETL tools that are moving data all around organizations. Then you've got the different types of skills that are out there for both wrangling data, shaping data, building models, deploying models, and this whole new concept of DevOps for AI which, to be frank, up until a few years ago, we just weren't doing it at scale, so that role, quite frankly, didn't need to exist. But you bring this team together, and that is really what a data science or data project is all about. So it sounds easy, but the reason that we focus so heavily on building a single collaborative environment, uh, Watson Studio, that is both available on the public cloud as well as a, a component of our cloud pack for data strategy, it's really allowing for that single environment so folks can bring their skill set, collaborate seamlessly across a project or across a model that they build together. And then through components that we've now also brought forward, we're starting to automate some of the more mundane processes that we've seen. So one of the capabilities that I'm extremely excited about uh, from the IBM portfolio is called Auto AutoAI. So, Traditionally, it's taken a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of skill, a lot of PhDs, which ultimately for our customers means a lot of money to fund those headcount. But we've now started to invest and through AI and through IBM Research have actually literally introduced a button click approach to doing data science, where you can present data sets and then automatically through the click of the button, automate close to 80% of the data science work around shaping data, building models, selecting models, all the way up through deployment, which again, once you have that model, is another click of the button. So now we're talking about doing data science through a series of clicks, as opposed to hundreds of hours of development work, which oftentimes tends to be repeatable, introduces all kinds of human error, so it sounds easy. We are making it much easier here at IBM and I think the best is yet to come.
1: I think actually you answered one of my questions that was wrapped around uh, auto AI and while, why we came out with it as well as why, you know, you're starting to see things like driverless AI and other things. Um, let me ask you a question here. If, 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 um, if I were to come up with two walkaway points for our listeners, what would they be? Uh, on the Analyze
2: step? I think on the Analyze step, the first point that I would make is today the traditional enterprise is still operating in a siloed organization, both from a data set perspective, so data scattered across the organization, as well as from a skills perspective. So one of the most fundamental things that we've seen our customers really start to align around is the need for collaboration. And so if you think about your organization, you think about the business challenges that you are trying to to tackle, and then you think about the challenges that you have. Do you have the data? Is it the right kind of data? Is it shaped the right way? Do you have the right skills to make sense of the data? And ultimately, if you do, how do you then bring in the unicorns that we call data scientists, if you even have them, to then be able to do the higher value work? So, point number one is data science is a team sport, which dovetails nicely into point number two, which is we've all been doing business intelligence and reporting for a number of years. And most of our customers have tackled the data warehousing component where we can start to do some of the more deep analytics work. This next phase all around data science is going to be how we provide capabilities and tooling that allows those who didn't go to school for 10 years with PhDs and can write code to do more data science type work while still allowing the data scientists who are extremely skilled but few and far between to also be able to leverage the tools and capabilities that they want in a seamless environment. So if you can tackle both of those issues, one, by providing a safe collaborative environment that brings people and skills and data together, while also skilling up the hundreds of folks within our enterprise organizations that understand data and processes, but aren't true data scientists to do data science type work while leveraging the few data scientists that we have. That's how we're going to win in the marketplace.
1: Cool. So, Chris, so in just one sentence, how would you describe what we're going to hear from Madison? Madison's going to talk to us about Infuse, but I'm only going to give you one sentence there.
2: If I had to distill it down to one sentence, I would say this, building models is great. Starting from scratch is hard, but being able to take the incredible work that we do with data and infuse that into applications and processes that already exist within your organizations is the only way that we are gonna drive true adoption and be able to drive immediate change within any organization.
0: And Chris, we have a bunch of use cases and example customers and even customer references and videos on our website talking about all of this stuff as well, right, on IBM.com?
2: We do. IBM.com. We've got a few Google channels, or I'm sorry, YouTube channels out there as well. So you can hear the stories. You can read the testimonials. You can go so far as actually to go on IBM's cloud uh, to our our catalog of offerings and go try out the capabilities that we talked about today around auto AI, around the collaborative environment of Watson Studio, around Open Scale, where we actually use AI to monitor AI and drive trust and transparency. So everything we talked about today is at your fingertips and free. So please go give it a try.
0: I like the idea, Chris, of calling myself a data scientist. With auto AI. Sounds pretty neat. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And, guys, for myself and Steve, as always, thanks for joining in. See you next time on the IBM Cloud Podcast. Thank you.